we gather here today to put another team in the ground. Hashtag, sorry, the cat, hashtag nine lives. We're here to celebrate your fantasy season. One of disappointment, celebration for a couple weeks, and that victory in week 14. The cat, this year was not your finest, but you found a way to claw back into the playoffs for what? A record six straight year? Seven perhaps. Uh, I think it's seven. But it didn't come without some bumps in the road. And there's no more than round three of the draft. You saw him pop up and you just couldn't help yourself. Your season was officially done when you drafted Najee Harris. Didn't have a shot at the title. But throughout the rest of your drafts, you saw some players that perhaps could help. Mike Williams. Whoops. Chris Godwin. Whoops. George Pickens. Whoops. Some questionable draft choices, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's going to impact the entire year. Some hits like Jordan Addison, Mike Evans, but you did trade him away. That one game where you had Deonta Foreman will always remember that moment. Now, Kat made some trades as well. Mike Evans for George Kittle. George Kittle, MVP of the Cats team. Myself and the Cat made a trade where I took Lamar Jackson and he frustrated me, me throughout the entire season. Jalen Waddle had that one game, of course, against me. The Cat hashtag nine lives, seven and seven throughout the year. It was just one where 100 points was hard to get. Scoring some of the lowest amount of points in our league. We know you'll come back next year, Cat. Stronger, faster. Perhaps more beers in you this draft. We know where Najee lives in your heart. And forever, hopefully next year, you draft him too. Maybe in the second round, maybe in the third round again. We know where Anthony Richardson is also going. We can't wait for you to pick him in the fourth round. But the cat, we'll see you later. It's time to put you to sleep. We're here to put another team to rest. House Chargarian. Now, after talking about the cat, it made me think who also had a bad draft. And boy, oh boy, was it Steph. The first three picks of the 2023 Northside League for Steph were Austin Eckler in the first round over guys like Tyreek. 
Jamar Chase, who at times had good weeks. Travis Kelsey, Stephon Diggs, Bijan. You had Patrick Mahomes in the second round over C.D. Lamb, Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown. But you had a chance to redeem yourself in round three. Cooper Cup, who at that time had a bum hand strike. Not a great first three rounds for Steph and House Targaryen. And before week one, I announced that her team would not make the playoffs. I was wrong, so I will take my L. But the reason why was because she picked up, in my opinion, two of the top three MVPs on the waiver wire this year. Her team soared once she started picking up players such as Tank Dell, Kyron Williams. So she gets the MVP this year, GM of the year for her pickups. But it wasn't enough throughout the season and in the playoffs. Looking back on Steph's team, started the year out one and three. A couple wins, a couple losses after that. But when from weeks 10 through 13, four straight wins, which propelled her into the playoffs. But going in on the back of Dak Prescott, like many Cowboys fans, every single year, she experienced one emotion, disappointment. Dak only scoring less than 10 points in her fantasy playoff matchup. Wonder if she texted Phil and asked, how does disappointment feel year after year? Expecting Dak to take us to the promised land. Maybe this year will be different for the boys. Probably not. We'll be getting a Stephen A. Smith video pretty soon in the next few weeks when the Cowboys are eliminated. We'll be Groundhog's Day all over again. Just how it is for Steph's team in general. Barely squeaking in, losing in the first round. House Chargarian, good luck to you the rest in this offseason. We'll see you next year. And when we tell you that you probably shouldn't draft Cooper Cup in the third round, we mean it. Please don't draft Austin Eckler again. R.I.P. House Chargarian. Thursday, December 21st. This is the Northside Story Podcast. I am your host, Blake the Cap Miller. Joined by always Jake Softhands Baki. Jake, how are you doing? You know, I just want to say one thing. Uh, and if any children are listening, um, can earmuffs, um, but fuck the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's all I have to say. Um, that's it. That's all you got. You just want to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, we are heading into round two, of the fantasy football playoffs. We're going to go over the match matchups that were of last week, the eliminations, Talk about me getting eliminated. Talk about Steph getting eliminated. We're going to look at um, the Senior Bowl. We're going to be looking at Brian and Nick going up. You like that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got the Senior Bowl. Brian and Nick going up against each other. We got Trey and Shane going up against each other. We're we're recording this after Thursday night football, so we have some scores um, that already are making impacts in these matchups. 
before we get into that, I got to ask you your question. It is the holiday season, Jake. And um, do you have an all time like favorite Christmas gift or like holiday gift that you ever gotten? <laughs> Let me while you think about it, I have mine. Um, yeah, go I know ahead. it was around. Huh? You got it? No, no, you can go. Um, it was around. It was around Christmas. Um, and I mean, it counts as a holiday gift. But my favorite gift I ever gotten was um, growing up. I was always an Eminem fan, and I remember I got my first album, which was the Eminem Show. It was on CD. It was on the explicit version. And I remember like that was back in the day. You had to have a parent go with you to the store to go pick it up. But uh-huh. all time favorite gift, the Eminem show when that album came out and probably explained why why, a couple of weeks ago. Probably. Yeah. Well, I remember uh, is the season Tis the season. I was in second grade, second grade. That was the first time I ever shaved my head. And then I did the, uh, bleach blonde shaved head for in honor oh, of Eminem. So I've always been a Stan, always been a, someone that's loved it. But yeah, that, that CD is the, always has a special place in my heart and it's uh, my all time favorite. Yeah, or just an also just a classic orange County kid. Um, <laughs> let's see. I have one, which it did it. I mean, it was a very nice gesture and it was nice, but it meant a lot more uh, like about a month later. So I uh, grew up, and my next door neighbors when I was, you know, up until probably like age 21, 22, um, how I fell in love with football and the chargers. So I guess they're actually the, the reason for my demise all these years, my neighbors were huge charger fans and they had season tickets down in San Diego. Well, when I was, I think 15 or 16 for Christmas, they gave me a couple tickets to chargers Broncos last week of the season. Um, and at that point, the Chargers, I think, were like seven and seven and the Broncos were um, they were like 10 and four or something like it was like the division didn't seem like it, it was like an out of reach. Basically, what needed to happen was the Broncos to lose their last three games to make the playoffs and the Chargers to win their la- their next three games. So like so the Chargers could overtake the division lead and it ended up happening. And so that last game ended up being whoever won went to the playoffs mm-hmm. um, and it was Philip rivers versus Jay Cutler back in those days. Oh, oh, they hated each other. Um, and it was a Sunday night football game in, and, and they flex at those times. So like, you know, during Christmas, it was a one o'clock game on a random Sunday. Well, they flexed it to the primetime game. Winner gets into the playoffs and, by far one of the best sports experiences I have ever had. And they had nice seats. Like it was like 50 yard line, 20 rows up. And I'm sure those ticket prices that gave them away for free to me were at least like triple the amount of money that they probably, you know, could have gotten when they, what they paid for Chargers ended up winning, I think 56 to like 20. It was an absolute blowout. One of the coolest experiences before the game. If you actually type into YouTube, I'm sure Chargers, Broncos, Rivers yells at Cutler. One of the coolest, because I remember seeing it on the field during the coin toss. Philip Rivers, who is the ultimate trash talker, never cussed, but he was just yelling at Cutler across the sidelines. Basically like, 
we're coming after you guys. And it was just domination from the, the first snap. So well, I'm watching, I'm watching it right now. Yeah. It was an all time kind of like just the energy in that crowd. When, when Qualcomm would get going and actually had a fan base there prior to them leaving, it was the, the, the atmosphere was amazing and it was awesome. So it was a great experience, great memory, sports memory of mine. Not too many of them that I have from the chargers, of course, uh, no. that is one where, I'll always remember. And it was just one of those like nice gesture Christmas gifts, but it turned out to be one of my favorite sports memories. Well, one thing that always keeps on giving, especially during the Christmas holiday, is just the end of the fantasy football season. And when we get to the end of the fan end of the fantasy football seasons, we ha- start heading into the playoffs where it's just high stakes. We're waking up Christmas morning and we're not only opening gifts, but we're opening up 10 a.m. matchups. And we're going to be diving in all the important matchups of this upcoming round two of the fantasy football uh, playoff schedule. So let's get ahead. It's going to be a long one, Jake. Let's get going. Let's do it. First round of the playoffs are in the books. The cat. Hashtag nine lives. I haven't edited my team. I need to edit for it to say, like, the cat's dead. The dead cat bounce. Finally eliminated, as Jake so eloquently put it in the intro. I lose uh, 105 to 96 to Trey. You mentioned it right before, Jake. This was the week to beat Trey because 105, it's one of those slow outings and pretty synonymous kind of with his team. Uh, No Tyreek, no Josh Jacobs, no Isaiah Pacheco, a lot of big injuries, but some of those catalysts that I talked about with his team that I thought were going to be beneficial, the upstart Rashad White, uh, rather slow pedestrian game from Josh Allen, 16 points. Um, All in all though, just, I mean, 105 is still a decent number. I mean, it's not numbers that are really going to beat beat uh, a team like uh, QB Sneaks or even like Run Runners on a big week, but 105 got it done. Anything to note for uh, Trey's team in this matchup and this and then his win? Yeah, this was a it's a tough tough week to lose to Trey um, when Trey only puts up 105 because uh, we talked about it. Er, a lot this uh, earlier in the season where he was consistent around 120 and if you could score 125 130 as trey you most likely were going to beat him um but this is a week where he even had less points than that at 105 barely made his projections at 103 you actually had more projected points going into um the matchup itself but <clears throat> Yeah, this is a week where, you know, Trey was very vulnerable in the sense of we talked about it, Tyreek, Josh Jacobs and Pacheco all being out. Um, Also, on top of that, Josh Allen, Josh Allen, they did not need to throw the ball in this game. It was all James Cook. It was all rushing attack. Even the the offensive coordinator for um, the Bills, uh, his name is escaping me. Not Joe uh, Brady. I don't know why that something Brady. It is Brady. It might be Joe Brady. Um, might have actually gotten a name right for once. That's actually. I'm gonna look that up while you look it up. That's that's uh, wild. <clears throat> that does yeah, it doesn't happen very often. Um, yeah, Joe Brady. What yeah, the yeah. fuck? Uh, Joe Burrow's uh, quarterback, uh, offensive quarterback, OC at uh, LSU. Yeah, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, he had said that the game plan wasn't really to run the ball that often, but he noticed it right away that how well it was effective and how it was working. And so they just kept with it, which is kind of what you want out of a coordinator to be able to just adjust um, 
in the in the middle of the game. But Josh Allen with a 16 points, and he also, I mean, he had a one yard rushing touchdown, right? So you're looking at you know someone around 10 points, basically just through the air and with some ground yards, which is just not Josh Allen. Um, but yeah, I mean, big games from from Clyde, um, which he didn't really expect. Um, I was questioning. I remember I texted you or maybe perhaps when we were in Vegas and we were talking about it, why he didn't pick up Zamir White once Josh Jacobs went out. I actually thought that Trey was going to keep Josh Jacobs in for whatever reason. Maybe he didn't set his lineup because it was about 445 when he made that decision to take Josh Jacobs out of his starting lineup. And I was looking at that because it was announced in the afternoon, you know, one o'clock or so that Josh Jacobs wasn't playing on that Thursday night disaster of a game for the Chargers. Um, and it was still in his lineup. So I was like, oh, is Blake going to get, you know, lucked out by that? But luckily that didn't happen for Trey. Uh, Jacoby Myers with a very pedestrian game. I think he only had like 30 yards, but he threw for a touchdown um, and also caught uh, one of his two catches for a touchdown as well. TJ Hawkinson didn't even hit 10 points. You're looking at Mike Evans, who had a touchdown. Tyler Lockett very low. Um, this was just a week that, you know, 105, you would think out of the four teams, um, you know, we're looking at, we'll talk about Steph's matchup later. She only scored 101, but a lot of low scoring um, this week in our playoff matchup. And just in general, looking at some of these scores across the board, actually the two highest scores, it looks like um, Brian's up there, but both the, the, the teams on the bye week scored more than 120. So that's kind of what you want when it comes to teams on a bye. But Trey with 105, barely squeaking one out over you. Yeah, and a lot of the decisions made by my team were kind of rolling with the guys that kind of got me here. Jalen Waddle, I've been expecting all year for kind of a number that he put up this week. It really came off the back that huge bomb that I want to say it was in the third quarter. Um, you made a joke, obviously, in our group message, me me saying that uh, Jalen Waddle um, is in a tier below when Tyreek Hill is not playing because of just his role in the offense. But obviously, they they schemed something up to really get him help, and it shows that he has like some speed that he can actually be a difference maker. Just he seems like sometimes he it just kind of stuck in quicksand, but big game for him also booed by a big game by Ty Chandler, Ty Chandler, when he's had the opportunity, almost similar to the role that Madison had last year, whenever Dalvin cook got hurt, you plugged in Madison because he was a guy that can plug in, get you 90 yards and a rushing touch. And Ty Chandler has been that eats up a lot of yards. I, you saw a big chunk plays early in that game. Um, him him being able to catch a 23. What killed me ultimately, and I believe we talked about it in the matchups heading into the week, were just my matchups. Justin Fields going up against Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland has just been a stout defense. They've been a pretty tough, pretty like decent offensive team as well ever since the addition of Joe Flacco. So it's always kind of tough when you're going against a team that has a very good defense and then you have some sort of comparable offense that are still putting up some points on a consistent on a consistent. Uh, pace that puts pressure on the other team's offense to keep up and Justin Fields honestly he's I mean we all kind of know he's not he's not a throwing quarterback there were some opportunities um, especially late in the game where with that Hail Mary it was just sitting like there was landing in that guy's lap there were some opportunities where he could have cashed in uh, that could have made the difference but Tough matchup for that. George Kittle I got the George Kittle kind of dud game six points none of that um, breaking the glass seal, breaking the glass like twenty point multiple touchdown outings that I've that I've came to rely on at s- multiple points during the season to win me in close matchups. Wasn't able to get that, but really it came down to um, two. Well, one stud 
that was obviously a first round draft pick, Saquon Barkley, um, in a game where the stupid New Orleans Saints, um, very hot and cold, that offense is either the offense is either or the the defense is either stout, like they saw in uh, for the for the Giants, and kind of shut things down and not let the other team get any offense and shutting down Saquon, or they're just asleep and they just let everything open. This is that game where they shut down. They shut down the Giants pretty bad. They couldn't get any of the offense going. DeVito was getting pressured and got smoked early in the earlier in the game. Then also Javante Williams, which was perceived, I guess, to be a plus matchup, even though where you attack Detroit's defense is through the air. Still felt there was some opportunity with Javante Williams. Um, while Samaje Piran is in that backfield, and he's primarily used as a pass catcher. You've seen Javante Williams at times be used in that role as well, but... Um, when it comes to the fantasy football playoffs, you can't have can't have a three pointer, you can't have a four pointer. And just looking at my bench, the the thing that kills me the most are just guys that I that could have been plays that I could have brought in there. That's all hindsight. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Uh, if I'm looking at the lineup here, I really don't think I would ever made uh, any decision with who I rolled out with this week. When looking at Chris Godwin, who a guy that burned me a lot at the beginning of the season. Um, in terms of just lack of production, pretty much kind of how bad Tampa was at the start of this year. We were talking earlier about them being on a three three game win streak, and, and really Chris Godwin has been uh, a little bit better producer. Jordan Addison, um, where we have seen the change in quarterback um, as soon as Josh Ho- uh, Josh Dobbs uh, joined the fray. Jordan Addison production did take a big hindrance. So he wasn't a guy I was interested in, but he was a guy too, that this 26 point outing is something that was, um, that we were seeing, we're seeing some sort of consistency when Kirk cousins was back in the fray. So pains me a little bit to see him on my bench, seeing him have that kind of outing that was, that was almost custom for a couple of weeks. Uh, and then Jake Browning, I don't know what I'm going to do with that, about that. But this is a typical outing for my team. 96 points, disappointment, unable to crack 100, and that's the name of the game for the cat. Yeah, <clears throat> I'll start with the positives. Ty Chandler was a great play by you because we watched that game live and not live in person, but live as it was happening and just very my first time really watching him run. And you can tell there's definitely something there with him as a running back. Um, and I hope that he is their lead back going forward next year because Alexander Madison is an eyesore to watch run the ball. Um, well, they do have Cam Akers still. Yeah, no. Uh, no. So, yeah, I thought that was a positive. I, I I will say two things. I I don't know what your kind of reasoning behind Javante Williams all this week. I know that there are a couple of weeks that he was he was nice, but I he's had one rushing touchdown this year, and that was remember that was two weeks ago where I had brought up the fact that the Chargers turned the ball over and it was like a two yard rushing touchdown right off the bat. Um, and I just, I going up against a Detroit defense that through the air, um, is susceptible, but on the ground, they have some nasty guys up front and I just, and it was on the road. And I felt like that was a play that I didn't quite understand. Um, but then also looking at your bench, like you said, hindsight is 2020. I do know, I probably wouldn't have started Addison, but I do know green Bay's secondary has kind of been a sleeve this year at times. Um, I didn't expect it to be a 34 to 20 matchup. I mean, I did take the over, so I expected there to be some points. 
But I think that was one where if Chris Godwin's going to guarantee you, because it looks like the last, like, you know, five weeks before that, he's guaranteeing you at least eight points, right? And then just basically hoping that he hits that eight and perhaps gets a little bit over that. Because Javante Williams, in order to get eight points, you're probably talking about 50 yards on the ground um, and maybe, you know, two catches for 20 yards, um, which is something that he could do. But those touchdowns just rarely, really ha- rarely happen this year. So that's the only thing I would say because, yeah, I wouldn't have started Najee. Um, I wouldn't have started Addison and wouldn't have started Spears. Um, and then the disappointment for me for your squad this past week was Cortland Sutton because we, I just talked about Detroit's defense through the air. was terrible. Cortland Sutton has so many touchdowns this year, and I would have expected um, Cortland to have more than five catches for 71 yards, um, and it just never came. And they were down that entire game, so you would have thought that he would have more than that. Um, and you know, pr- part of that is his quarterback. But, yeah, I think that was a major disappointment um, for your team. And then, yeah, it's really hard when you have all these points on the bench as far as, like, you know, if you would have played the Browns defense, um, you know, that would have at least gotten it closer, right? Or maybe if you made uh, two other, like, changes, and you just never know. Um, yeah. But I know that, you know, when we talked about last week, you had the Raiders defense in, and we were kind of talking about that, and I was like, well, it doesn't sound like Max Crosby's going to play, and if he doesn't play, like, who do they really have? Well, he did end up playing, and then, of course, they dropped, like, 28 points on defense. Um, so, you know, all those things, you never know when it comes to fantasy. But like you said, and like I have said all this year, your team is one that has frustrated the hell out of me because I don't understand how you got to the playoffs in the first place, but you did um, and put up a valiant effort against Trey in the first round, losing 105 to 96. See, I swear, I swear, like, it's all random at the end of the day. We all know that, but there's something with the fantasy football playoffs where, like, <clears throat> where, like, everything that my team has put up all year and the lucky breaks that has gotten, like, no matter what in the Facebook, it's going to come correct. Like I'm not, it's not going to continue. Um, it's like these win by the margins, win by some fluky rushing touchdown or whatever. It, it just doesn't work like that. Um, we go over to the, the, the other matchup, house Targaryen and Fitch Fitch takes it wins by over 25 points. And the name of his game is something that I've been I've been talking about a lot recently, um, and it's something that I think we can – I think now we can really say like historical precedence of the Buffalo Bills running back room come December because James Cook just the last two weeks um, against Kansas City and this past, this past matchup against Dallas just has really blossomed where we are looking at – Week six through week nine, when that offense was sputtering a little bit, and there was obvious questions, and well, there's still questions now if they're even a playoff team, considering the hole that they put themselves into. But as we started leaning into these colder, colder, uh, colder months and and home games in Buffalo is freezing temperatures. The team relies on the run, and when you got a guy like James Cook, that throughout spurts we saw at the beginning of the year where he was um, just heavily involved that you, the talent is there and that now they can rely on him. You can get these huge outings like he did against uh-huh. Dallas 31 points. You get a Jalen hurts game where um, I think Brian had the lead pretty handily, even going into 
that game against Seattle for Philadelphia, but still you got question marks about what has like, what do you do with Deandre Swift? I think at some point I said Deandre Swift was going to be a top 10 running back the rest of the season. That's not looking so good right now. He's at 17. Um, but Jalen hurts, Jalen hurts came into the game sick. Um, it was dumping rain and you're getting 21 points in that same old, same old Jalen hurts. You're getting rushing touchdowns. You're getting two in this game and it bit a game where he went 17 for 31, 54 percent, 143 yards. Like you're going to get those games from Jalen hurts. Luckily for him, you're going to be cashing in anything that's one, two yards out on that goal line. It's automatic. You count it. Um, Probably would have been another one too, but ball got moved back after. Uh, I don't even know what the official call was. It's when Jason Kelsey moved the ball back. I don't. What was the official call there, Jake? I don't even remember. I was I was um, flying home when the game was going on, so I, well, I, I, I didn't watch this, it. He grabbed the ball and then he he pushed it forward a little bit. It was almost like a. Oh yeah, uh, you know what? I, I did that replay. It was a false start by Kelsey. Yeah. I called it a false start. So it could have been even three. This lead could have been bigger. Justin Jefferson is back for Brian's team. He's been back. This is his first full game healthy, and it's something similar to what you would expect out of a Justin Jefferson game. Um, 11 points, no touchdowns, but that was a game where you got Nick Mullins in there. Nick Mullins actually moved the ball pretty well, so I'd be pretty pretty excited to see what he's be able to do uh, in future matchups. But we got no Brown. We got Bears defense. Brian just a solid week. I'm, I'm going to have to say the big guys came out to show for Brian. Yeah. Brian's team. I have considered them dead like 10 times this year. Yeah. Um, back. Uh, well, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to say no um, because, it, you know, looking at James Cook and that game was phenomenal by him. That was one of the best, in my opinion, one of the most impressive like running back games that I've watched because every time he ran the ball, it seemed like he got like eight or nine yards. It was mm. it was crazy. Um, so watching him and then also just everything that he did through the air, it was it was extremely impressive. I mean, he ran yeah seven point two yards per carry and he had twenty five carries, which is 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 incredible. You so, mean McCaffrey Arizona Week Four game where he had the three touchdowns? I mean, he had three touchdowns this past week too. Um, yeah. But that's going up against like the Arizona Cardinals. This is going up against yeah. one of the best defenses in the uh, football league and i understand it's at home but still like watching the cowboys play defense some some of these times you're like it's it's hot and cold but at the same time they still are a very talented defense um but i mean great plays uh by brian i think he picked up both noah brown and the bears defense like sunday morning and played them um so you know great plays by brian there um and that really contributed to a a 25 26 point uh, victory over steph but, yeah, I mean, this is a team that I still think has some holes in them, and we'll get into the matchup right now. Um, but Or we'll get up to the matchup with him and Nick after this. But, you know, when you get Justin Jefferson with 12 points, he, you know, he, he was just kind of, you know, mediocre. Zay Flowers only had one. Evan Ingram had five. And you still put up 125. You know, that is impressive. Yeah, I'll take his team, though, because I like Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson, you watch the Pittsburgh offense, you think, God, what a brutal offense. And But he's he's knocked in three touchdowns the last three games. And um, while there's going to be a quarterback change, potentially Kenny Pickett coming back next week, <laughs> I, I, I'm not joking here, but, like, Mason Rudolph has got to be an upgrade. 
um, that may be an option for him to come in. Deontay Johnson, even with even with uh, the minimum the minimum catches that he's been having four three four, um, he's still getting a good target share for a team that that runs the ball a lot. They didn't rely on Mitch to throw it that much, so I'd be interested. While you see those holes, I see that's someone he can play in. And Chris Olave, um, we're recording this on Thursday. We're not spoiling anything that happened in the Thursday game, but Chris Olave, when healthy, he, he's still an option you're going to plug in. You're going to plug in Derek Carr. Um, you're going to trust Derek Carr in like subpar matchups. So um, holes, 127 is still very impressive. What wasn't impressive, though, is which just sucks for Steph is the classic like Dak Prescott. Not only does Dak Prescott disappoint in big games, <laughs> it's it he also disappoints in like fantasy football playoffs because really it's a culmination of like late in the season, Cowboys are in the mix. Um, they're either fighting for a playoff spot, fighting fighting for a division, big games for Dak to kind of show out and. You're running into a six point six point game fantasy point outing that you would think that the way that this Dallas Cowboys offense has just been humming all year, depending like depending on whatever matchup they were going up against, that like the new baseline for Dak was going to be like fifteen or like seventeen, what he's been doing all year. But Dak of old is back. Um, Steph got the the brunt of that. This who's been back, and it's just I think. I guess for the rest of the season, it's Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler, another five-point outing. Only five carries, <laughs> four catches. I I don't even know. I don't even know what you do. I don't even know what – I don't even know where you would draft him. He's like Melvin Gordon range where like Melvin Gordon like after his rookie year when he was like in the sixth or seventh round. I know that's the year that like I took a chance on him. He was beast. But Austin Eckler – Got to be one of the worst first round picks, um, barring any injury that I can think of. Maybe Cooper Cup, or but total disappointment. Um, but speaking of Cooper Cup, the Rams, her, what buoyed her team and really got her team back into the mix was uh, Cooper Cup getting back in the lineup because I believe when he came back, he had a huge game. And then Kyron Williams, we always talk about Steph's team, um, Steph's team, and Steph as a, a manager that she doesn't quit. She's actively looking at the waiver wire. She's actually picking up smart moves. Kyron Williams was huge for her to get into the playoffs this year because there was times that you you questioned her team. and Really, uh, she was a lot of the times tinkering with that flex spot with her usual suspects of, of Christian Kirk and Zay Jones. Adam Thielen was a mainstay for a while. Kyron Williams really solidified her team, had a big week against Washington, and uh, we talked about Cooper Cup with a good matchup against Washington as well. And Chuba Hubbard, eleven points is eleven points. But you look at Dak, you look at Eckler, and like oddly enough, you look at like Brandon Aubrey, where they only scored ten points. And usually Brandon Aubrey's good for like maybe like at least four field goals, like four fifty like fifty yard bombs, like at least it makes a difference. <clears throat> No, yeah, Brandon Aubrey. I mean, he was the Justin Tucker of uh, fantasy this year, and I, I, also, I honestly think going forward, I think he is going to be someone that we talk about as one of the best kickers for the next decade or so. Just watching him kick, I don't. He hasn't missed a field goal this entire season. Um, so yeah, I, I think Steph Steph got bit by a couple things. One, 
just kind of bad matchups and running into a buzzsaw. Because we were talking, you just talked about how the Dallas Cowboys offense has been really clicking. I will say this: Buffalo has been clicking as of late, and they've been yeah, they have. defensively. They they kept the Chiefs to seventeen points, um, the Cowboys now to ten, and you're looking at some other these other games. I mean, they they had a, a back and forth with the Eagles, but that was a nasty game that they lost in uh, rainy conditions. And so, you know, prior to that, they they have not given up really much more than twenty points um, in the five weeks before that. So. They've been very good as of late, and I think it was one of those things where everyone was kind of on the high. I was on the high of the Cowboys the week prior, beating the Eagles and looking so dominant, and then going on the road and having to play in Buffalo uh, pretty much at night, um, you know, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock their time. Um, and they just dominated the Cowboys, and it wasn't even close. So um, tough for that. I've been calling Austin Eckler being a bust all season long. Um he is not – well, he won't be on the Chargers next year. He's a free agent, and he will not be coming back. So, yeah, I don't know where. I think it's all about, you know, what team gives him um, some money uh, as far as where you draft him next year. But I could see him slipping to, like, a late second, early third um, as far as uh, – Oh, no shot, dude. No shot. I think it depends on where he goes. Uh, I really, I really do think because the Chargers in general this year – it's not like anyone behind him did anything too. Like it's just been a terrible offensive game plan as far as the line, as far as the running backs. So if there is a place for whatever reason that gives him some money, um, I, you know, I, I think that there's a possibility of him, you know, getting. I mean, Najee Harris was picked in the what first pick of the third round. So shut like, up, dude. <laughs> you know, and I wasn't a shot at you. I'm just saying in general, like Najee is not someone that is impressive whatsoever. Sure. He might be younger, but that offense, everyone knew that offense was going to suck. So it's not like, you know, I, I, Eckler can be used in a, in a certain role. It just, it's all going to be where he ends up signing. Uh, but Kyron Williams on the flip side, he should be a first round pick uh, next fantasy year. Um, he is someone that, um, I think is going to be, you know, going forward for the next few seasons, a top three, top five running back. Steph hit a home run with that. And then, yeah, looking at the rest of her team, I mean, she she got kind of unlucky with some of these injuries too. She had Tank Dell for a large portion of the year. Tank yeah. Dell being out really hurt her team because that was a number, at least a, a one or a two for her every single week, um, at least for, you know, month, a couple months leading up to his injury. Um, and it really kind of put stress on her squad to kind of find a second running back or sorry, a second wide receiver or a flex play um, because, you know, also had Christian Kirk on her team that she lost for the rest of the year. So, you know, Steph kind of got unlucky towards the end of the year, but I still still uh, still was a good year for Steph in the sense of uh, building out a squad throughout the rest of the season. All right, we're going to dive into the semifinal matchups, round two of the playoffs. We're going to start with the Senior Bowl. Got Fitch going up against Rum Runners, 10 and 4, first place Rum Runners going up against 7 and 7, fifth place Fitch. We just broke down the matchup between Fitch and House Chargarian that got him here into the second round. Uh, right now, we're looking at projections 120, 105. Like I said in the last section, we're recording this after Thursday night football, so we already have a game in the books. Chris Olave was plugged into the starting lineup. He had a big night, 18.8. Could have been bigger. There's some big drops that he had, but still 18.8, especially with that 
uh, New Orleans offense where it's like super hot and cold or whatever, whatever you're getting with Derek Carr. But um, found a way to get the ball moving. Chris Olave was like cooking in the first half. He had something like 70 yards. And that Rams defense, it's bend, don't break. So if you got a quarterback or you got a wide receiver that's pretty good yards after carry, you're going to get big outings like this. Chris Olave did, especially with him coming off injury. But we go over – Fitch's teams first. We got uh, the usual suspects. Uh, looks like the only person he took out of this lineup, Noah Brown, which I guess, yeah, that's fine. Uh, Jalen Hurts going up against Giants. I think it's like a crazy spread. It's something like an 11-point spread. Um, so you got Jalen Hurts and DeAndre Swift going up against Giants. You got James Cook going up against the Chargers. Oh, what a what a matchup that is, and we just talked about it. Them coming off two big weeks, twenty two points against Kansas City, thirty five against Dallas this past week on the road. He's going to be in LA. He's going to be in a dome. I wonder if this is the game though, where we saw Josh Josh Allen take a seat, a uh, step back, and let the running game go. You know, a little little bit of more uh, temp controlled weather. Maybe they revert back to that offense where Josh Allen pretty much the primary ball handler. But, I mean, the way that James Cook has been playing, the way that I've seen Buffalo Bills play late in the season, getting the ball out of Josh Allen's hand so he can be healthy and re- healthy and ready going into the, to the potential uh, postseason. But it's not a postseason team right now. They're on a playoff berth. I'm, I'm interested to see how they attack that game. It's going to be a game that they are going to be crazy favored because of just how banged up that Chargers team is, though. But the way that James Cook has been running, I'm going to be very excited for Brian, especially with that matchup. Justin Jefferson going against the, uh, going up against Detroit. We talked about it um, a lot. That that secondary is bad, um, and this is the second. This is going to be the second full game in which uh, Justin Jefferson is going to be healthy. Minnesota's not out of it per se. Uh, they're able to sweep. Sweep the rest of the season, and the Lions going to lose if they lose their next three games. Minnesota gets in because Minnesota will be playing Detroit twice. So this is actually a big game. Kind of sets the stage for potentially a good playoff run. Justin Jefferson's going to be healthy um, and going up against a bad secondary. So great matchup there. Save Flowers against San Francisco. I mean, I don't know what you're going to get out of that. You're in San Francisco. You're going up against just a just one of the all-time – it's like an all-time team, it seems like. The the last couple of years, the San Francisco team went healthy when Debo's running, when Chris McCaffrey's on this tear, when he's hitting multiple touchdowns. Uh, there's a lot to talk about the offense, but that defense is no joke as well. Zay Flowers seems to uh, go missing a lot because it's just uh, the plenty of options that Baltimore has, and sometimes Lamar Jackson steals a show about him taking over that taking over that offense. But Zay Flowers continues to be a play for for Brian, even though I have some questions about that because I've talked about how much I like Johnny Johnson. But uh, besides that, Bears, the other other point I want to talk about is the Bears. Bears, uh, he plugged them in last week going against uh, Cleveland, getting 17 points. Going up against this Arizona team, that's, we all know they're not a good team. And this Bears team has uh, scored over 14 points in the last three matchups. So uh, plus matchup against a defense that's been playing good as of late. Um, I, I really like Brian's team this week. Yeah, I I mean we talked about it. I, I still think that there are holes here. I'm still not, you know, I'm still not a fan of Evan Ingram. Um I I understand that, you know, two straight weeks he had 18 and 27 points. Um but it's very hit or miss for me. Um 
Chris Olave did have a great game tonight, so that is a big boost to his team because I felt feel like for Brian's team, we talked about this, struggling to find touchdowns on his squad um, the early part of the season, and actually, sorry, the middle part of the season, um, and kind of lately it's picked up a little bit here and there. But also, it wasn't necessarily just touchdowns, but it was just guys not getting a lot of yards too. And Chris Olave, the last three or the last four weeks, he's had actually the last, let's say, one, two, three, four, five, six weeks that he's played, either he's had a touchdown or he's had over 100 yards. Um, and so those are, you know, that's that's what you want. That's what you need out of a guy that you drafted so high and you expect it to be your wide receiver too. Um one thing I will say, I'm not a fan of – We, uh, Blake, I know you've talked about this in the past. I'm not a fan of having Chris Olave in the flex spot um, because I think if you would have put him over Zay Flowers as a wide receiver too, it would have opened up that flex spot because I'm not a fan of Zay Flowers this week. Um, I do think San Francisco, of course, is going to score because their offense is just, is just on a roll right now, and perhaps Lamar and the Ravens seem to catch up. But on the road, San Francisco, I don't know. Zay, like you said, is very hot or cold. Um, and there are some weeks where he disappears, but there are some weeks that he does get 15 to 20 points. Um, you're looking at guys like Deontay Johnson. You're looking at, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't know why Gus Edwards is so high at 11 points against the Niners. I know, that seems weird. Um, but even a Noah Brown, if Nico Collins can't go, Noah Brown is the number one wide receiver on that team, it seems like. Um, if Nico can't go, even if Nico can go, Noah Brown is number two. And we've seen Nico or Tank Dell throughout the entire season. So in my opinion, I think that was a mistake um, to not put Chris Olave in that second wide receiver spot and leave that flex spot open. Because also you never know with injury reports in these next couple of days. Um, and not a lot of people are picking up players in our league. Um, at this moment, however, Phillips did. I don't know if it was if he's trying to beat me in our uh, <laughs> you know, ninth to tenth ranked matchup. Um, but there's not a lot of people picking up players, so you might get a guy like you know maybe for instance if Josh Jacobs is still out, maybe you get a Zamir White and you decide to pick him up and plug him in um, as a starting running back. But the rest of his squad, yeah, Jalen Hurts. Um, Christmas Day against the Giants should be a great matchup for him. Um, but that team is also – it's a weird thing with them right now. Like Jalen Hurts is still putting up points. Um, but I will say it's not what he was putting up, you know, early part of the season, middle part of the season. Last, uh, you know, three weeks, you're looking at nothing higher than 24 points. And that's mostly because of those one to two-yard rushing touchdowns, which he's going to get no matter what. So it's not like, you know, a Lamar or a Josh Allen where every once in a while they won't run one in. Jalen Hurts is guaranteed – I would love to see like the odds every week. Jalen Hurts anytime touchdown. I feel like it's definitely now a favorite to where it's getting into like the minus one fifty, you know, minus two hundred range, which is crazy. Um, James Cook, yeah, I think this is a great week for him. I do think it's a better week for Josh Allen um, compared to James Cook, but I think James Cook is going to be used all over SoFi, and he's going to have a great week too. Justin Jefferson, great matchup against Detroit, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, I do think Brian's team has, um, you know, projected total. They're at 120 right now because of the five extra points that they originally uh, projected at 115 due to Chris Olave. So you know, great start for Brian's team this week. Yeah, the only note or to close the book on your point that you made on Chris Olave now locking up that flex spot. Whatever questions I have with Brian's teams, like you mentioned, is Zay Flowers the guy plays Monday nights, the last available guy you're going to play. 
Zay Flowers is a very hit or miss guy. He's either going to score you 20, he's going to score you two. It would have been nice for Brian to set it up that if he only needed, say, what, four or five points, he could have gone with a little bit more of a consistent option, someone like Deontay Johnson that oh, that gets a high target count that can maybe pick up those four points just off like catches alone, four catches for 20 yards. Or Zay Flowers isn't that. It seems like they get involved in the run, which you, half a point is still half a point. He's going, against, he's going up against the guy that has most – victories like within like one point margin so um i think that was a mistake and let's hope it doesn't bite let's just bite him in the butt because going up against run runners first place the most fraudulent first place um team that the scene this league has ever seen given uh how many points he's able to score but guy wins his matchups there's not much i can really say about that one interesting matchup one interesting decision that the number one team is going with this week Anything, anything could change. But Kyler Murray, we saw he got picked up during the bye week uh, last week. Kyler Murray looks like to be starting for Nick's team, going up against Chicago, which I just mentioned, which is even which is great, seeing that Fitch has Chicago Bears on the other side, who has been um, a pretty much of a ball hawk defensive unit the last three matchups. So interesting decision there. You're looking for a bounce-back game with Travis Etienne as he just got absolutely stymed against Baltimore. Going up against a a better matchup against Tampa Bay, but I will say Tampa Bay has been a pretty hot team as of late. They've been scoring the ball. They've been playing a little bit better inspired defense. Um, But I like the bounce-back opportunity because that's a big game for Jacksonville. they got a a pesky Houston Texans team on their heels right now. So um, that's a team that's going to be inspired. That's a team that's going to be inspired to get him back because when that team was humming, beginning of the year, even with the injuries of uh, Trevor Lawrence, it came on the back of Travis Etienne. And while he's still the number three uh, number three guy in fantasy, uh, you're coming off a seven-point outing last week. And he's looking to get back into 15 two weeks prior before that are good. But what really ballooned Travis Etienne uh, earlier this season was that week five to week eight stretch where he was getting low 20s. And it seemed there's some there's some running backs where I feel like Kyron Williams is that perfect example. If you watch the Rams play and you see him run, you're like, yeah, he could do this every single week. And he has been when he's healthy. Um, during that stretch for Travis Etienne, that week five, to week nine, when I was when I was watching him, I felt that kind of same thing too. It's like he's not doing anything extremely like out of the order. He's not getting these like lucky breaks where it's like hitting the backfield, shakes it off, and goes for like sixty yards. Like he's a consistent runner. He seems to always be able to maximize his runs. He's a, he's in an offense where they prioritize him in the end zone. So that twenty point kind of window i'm i'm looking for that and i think jacksonville's looking for that as well in a bounce back game aaron jones is back in the lineup god talk about uninspiring uh J- came back last week against carolina or against uh tampa bay eight points just i there, there's some green bay love there i'm not interested in that talk about non-interested i have not been in Devontae adams this entire season coming in as the 15th ranked Wide receiver. The only thing that brought him back to life was the plethora of injuries that have been happening and that big 20 point out he had against Chargers. I think that's fool's gold. Um, I think we're, we're going to be expecting a little bit of a bounce back, bounce back to the mean game for him against Kansas City, that Kansas City is battling for a playoff spot. 
questions with them, Kansas City is not their defense. It's their offense. I, being able to get consistency with their offense, eliminating the eliminating the turnovers that put pressure on this somewhat good defensive unit. So uh, you always got to watch out for a Debo game. Debo has come alive as of late. Uh, ever since week 12, we've seen just that multifaceted consistency, especially in the, uh, in the run game. For him, he's been carrying the ball in high leverage situations where he's had picked up three touchdowns in the last four games. And then rounding out his lineup, we got a pretty high volatile defense with with Dol- with the Dolphins. It'd be interesting. That's an interesting matchup. I I'd be a little scared if I was if I was him. I'm if I was him lining them up against the Cowboys at home. Um, Justin Tucker, that guy can probably chip you in a good 12, 12 points. But against that San Francisco team as a whole um i don't know what i'm going to get out of that game but i feel like it's going to be a tight game where both teams may not necessarily move the ball with ease so i don't see a ton of situations where justin tucker is going to be cashing on these 50 yard field goals it's going to take touchdowns to win that game and then james connor james connor is always kind of that dark horse uh for Nick, uh, I'm, I'm scrolling through his stats right now, and they have him as a top 25 running back, and I see why. Because when he's healthy, look, week 13 against Pittsburgh, 25 carries for 100, 105 yards, two touchdowns. Same thing last week in San Francisco, 14 carries for 86 yards and a touchdown. James Conner has always been that dark horse. It seems like he's always on Nick's team as well. And uh, – I don't know. We got options. We got a couple. We got a we got a good matchup here, Jake. That's all I'm going to say. Um, yeah, let me dissect a little bit with Nick's team. I uh, I do not like the Kyler start. Um, I don't I do either. Th- I think it's a I, very I think, like, cute start. Yeah, I think this is Nick thinking that the Bears are bad uh, more than not. anything. <laughs> um, n- now. Their record says otherwise, right? I think they're five and nine, but their defense has been the reason uh, that they've been close in games. They have definitely picked it up as of late. Um, and you're looking at, I looked at it a couple of weeks ago. Jared Goff, who he has on his team, yeah, um, only four. scored four points against the Bears in Chicago a couple of weeks ago. And so you're looking at that and you're kind of, and you got to think like, okay, well, I was, you know, luckily it didn't really bite me in the ass because I still put up a lot of points a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, this is the playoffs and this is, you're going up against a team that has a lot of good matchups and you're trying to maximize points. To me, Kyler is just not someone that you can trust to maximize points. Um, he hasn't gotten over 21 points this season um, and he hasn't scored thrown for more than two touchdowns in a game. And so for me, I, I hate that start. Um, I would not start Kyler Murray. And it's not like Jared Goff, you know, is really that much better. Um, but Jared Goff at times, you know, we're looking at a, a game that he scored 31 points last week because he had five touchdowns. I'm not expecting five touchdowns this week, of course. But I do think that, you know, getting 20 points is more of a given than Kyler getting 20 points. So both on the road, so I know that is tough, but I don't know. I would go with Goff. Um, looking at the rest of his team, yeah, and Aaron Jones, um, Devontae Adams, those are two players that have to hit those projections in order for Nick to win, in my opinion. But I will say a lot of his success as of late, one big injury, in my in my opinion, is Michael Pittman. Um, and 
Michael Pittman could very much well play. I think he practiced today. Yeah, he listed a full participant in practice. And he had 10 points last week, and I think he got hurt in the second quarter. And so you were looking at a guy that was about to get 20 easy in that game. And before yeah. him, he's gotten over 10 points basically for 10, 11 straight weeks. Um, he's been absolutely great this year. And so he and he and my in my opinion, I think I would start him over Devontae um, and and let it ride with that. Kyle Pitts, good luck. Um, I got nothing I really else to talk. say. I'm not talking about Pitts. him. I just um, look over him. Yeah, James Conner. I do think that's an interesting one because we talked about how we both like the Bears defense. Their rush defense has been okay this year. It's really been in the passing game that they've shown out um, and they've created turnovers. But James Conner is one that could easily rip one off, but he also could be stymied. So that that's, that's a tough one for me. Um, and then last but not least, I mean, you also have Devontae Smith on the bench. Um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of question marks here. And I don't know why Devontae Smith every single week, it seems like he has a projected, I should say, I guess his last two weeks have been seven points. I feel like he gets more than that. But um, maybe that's only when he plays my team. Well, he, he, there's, there's always the inverse, guys. Like Devontae Smith, you're always like, why is it not higher? And then I look at Aaron Jones at 12.6. Like, in what fucking world? What I what I count on twelve point six points out of Aaron Jones. Yeah, I mean, um, fantasy running backs are always going to get the majority of the points when it comes to projections, though. They all, it doesn't matter because of you know him starting, him being able to run the ball. But yeah, Aaron Jones has not been consistent whatsoever. I mean, he did run the ball thirteen times last week, which is you know, the second most that he's he's had the entire season. Um, and who knows? It is a bad team that they're playing in Carolina. Um, and so, you know, that, that can always be a thing, but, you know, I will say this, we talked about the defense and, um, prior to tonight, you know, the saints last week looked really, really good back to back weeks against bad teams, I should say, and Carolina and the, and the giants, you know, putting up 20 points, putting up 14. And then you look and you see the dolphins playing the Cowboys, you know, Nick made the proper play not to start the saints defense because they ended up with minus two. So that would have been a tough, tough play if you decided to to play them instead. I actually like the dolphins this week because Dallas just hasn't shown on, on the road that they can do anything. So the dolphins, I think, well, I think I looked, it was like four or five straight weeks with more than 10 points, uh, five straight weeks with more than, or 10 points or more in the last each of every single week in the last five weeks. And I think that could continue Uh, Dak, like last week, he didn't really show much, but the dolphins still have a solid team, solid defense at home. Um, you know, and I think, I think they can do that. So this is a tough, tough matchup to predict. Uh, I'll start us off here first. I've been wrong on both these teams the entire season. Yeah, um, yeah. The, and, these have been and, tough teams. And I think no matter what I pick, I'll probably choose the wrong person. But, you know, I do think with James Cook's matchup, Justin Jefferson's matchup, um, and Jalen Hurts' matchup, Bears defense, I'm going to go with Fitch. Yeah, I'm I'm riding with you. I I I think Justin Jefferson alone will will, uh, will definitely set. I just I Justin Jefferson alone. I think this is a plus matchup. I think this is a game that the Vikings need to win, and they've been keeping Justin Jefferson out, making sure that he's a hundred percent healthy for this game right here against a divisional opponent that they need to catch. I think they lean on him early and often. And reminds all of us why 
we why he was the consensus number one pick at the start of the draft. And then I think you couple that with a positive James Cook matchup against the Chargers. Jalen Hurts is just a walking one yard touchdown. I just don't see I don't see him run runners catching up points wise. Moving along, Notorious, 9-5, and five, going up against QB Sneaks, second round of the playoffs. QB Sneaks starting off with a big, big head start. Pukunakua, 28.5 points, just absolutely cooked the Saints defense. Uh, we'll start with QB Sneaks because, I mean, let's be, let's be real here. Jake, you and I have a front runner in this race. We think it's QB Sneaks, and it's performances like this. And it's performances from guys that like he has on his team that we wouldn't even consider like like his best options. Like Bukunakua was was an option that like maybe it's like matchup dependent or like someone gets hurt. Like Nico Collins has been a great option. Keenan Allen like the re- only reason why I think he's starting if Keenan Allen like if Keenan Allen had a healthy bill heading into this week, even with Easton Stick, you're gonna start oh. Keenan Allen. Um Trey has just so much depth where you can plug in a Pukunakua. Jeez, oh, excuse me. Shane has so much depth that he can plug in a Pukunakua and, like, doesn't miss a beat. He's not missing a beat because he's got the best the best fantasy football player probably not ever. I would love to see, like, where his stats compare to, like, LaDainian Tomlinson. I think he's, like, the watermark. Is that true? Like that one, uh, LT, oh, yeah, LT, yeah. I don't even think McCaffrey would come close to that. Yeah. So, but still, I mean, from modern modern times or more recent times, Christian McCaffrey's been the most absolute slam dunk number two overall pick. Derek Henry has picked it up as of late, um, even though I think he got shut down last week because I remember we were talking about him. Yeah, Derek Henry only had like two two points last week. Yeah, yeah it was like three points. CD Lamb. Uh, Going against a Miami team that has given up some points, even though they got kind of smoked a little bit in Buffalo this past week. You're still plugging him in. Uh, Darren Waller. Darren Waller has not lived up to the bill, but he has shown to be able to make some big plays. I know he had a big catch last week in that New Orleans matchup. Without New Orleans team's defense really just stepped up. Be interesting to see if they'll be able to bounce back after a second full a second complete game with him, and then just the touchdown monster that is Raheem uh, Mostert. Questionable didn't practice this past Thursday. More probably a maintenance like veterans rest. But if that injury lingers, you're always always you're always going to have some issues and worries about um, a chain in that backfield. But you're if you got a healthy Mostert, you're going to be loading them up every single week. And I even talk about which I think is the most like impressive part of his team is just him rolling out with Brock Purdy. Now I remember earlier in the season when I was like active on the social media and obviously as the season winds down and life responsibilities happens and all my excuses, I started slowing down. I remember, I remember making a joke when I started Brock Purdy, I was like, Oh dude, I lost uh, Anthony Richardson and, Trade to Lamar. I don't have a quarterback. I got to roll someone out there. And I was joking. I'm going to go Brock Purdy. He's not a joke anymore. Like 19 and a half projections is like, it's baseline for him right now. Last three weeks, 29, 23, 25, going up against a Baltimore team on Christmas, which um, is, is the match of the week. It's like Super Bowl preview. Yep. And uh, 
the way that this offense works. And I think with him is that there's so many ways for him to get a touchdown, whether it's through the air with Christian McCaffrey, it's whether it's uh, a little like flip pass to Debo as he's running across the uh, formation. So many unique ways for him to just like unconventionally get a touchdown, but also too, he's like a really good quarterback and um, George Kittle's always open. God, I, I think he's still there is uh, the Jennings guy. Like yep. he'll pop up and maybe uh, get a touchdown. Uh-huh. He's got so many options. This is a good, it's a, just a very good, interesting matchup. And you got to catch, you got to catch QB sneaks maybe on a week where he scores maybe like 110, 115, maybe one of those guys like CD, like last week where CD goes up against Buffalo and he may not have this absurd 10 catch touchdown game or you get Derrick Henry three points. Like you got to catch QB sneaks team when they're not like at its absolute peak at like a 110 number, but you're looking at, 28 and a half for the backup wide receiver coming in. We got a projection total at 141. I I mean, I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but I already, I can, I can see a world where he's scratching around that number. Yeah. I mean, especially with just the start that he's already had um, with Fuka and having a great game, um, you know, great start by him. But I mean, we've said it since day one. I mean, it's crazy to even look at the depth and just the defensive plays. You know, he picked up the Bills to play the Chargers this week, which is just a great, you know, pickup spot. Um, You know, we give a Shane, we've given a Shane shit the last few years of always being like, you know, one of the bottom of the barrels teams. Even himself, you know, has said that he's always looking to come in the last. Uh, but this is this is a team that I really do think this is one of the strongest teams that we've seen in our league for the last few years. Uh, Trey had a really strong team last year and deserved to win, but this is a team that Shane has had, and he's just been consistently scoring 120, 130, sometimes even 140. Um on a consistent basis. Every once in a while, he would score 150, get in the 160s. But this is just a team that's just there's there's not a lot of holes. Maybe Darren Waller, um, especially because, you know, you never know what you're going to get with Tommy DeVito. But, you know, having four catches for 40 yards first game back, he's only most likely only going to go up from there. Um, so, yeah, I think this is a, a squad that, you know, has so much potential there's only two games left. It's maybe two games left for Shane, but it's one that has just been great. And losing someone like Keenan, you know, step right up, Puka. And even if you were to lose someone like Raheem, okay, Nico Collins or a Brees Hall, like, you know, he has so many options. So, um, but I will say the one team that I wouldn't want to play with a quarterback, and I understand that McCaffrey is, is McCaffrey and he's going to have a great week. Um, the one team I wouldn't, necessarily want to play in a fantasy matchup when it comes to the defense is Baltimore and Baltimore is what you're one of your, 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 where your what is it? The bread is buttered when your bread is buttered every week by the San Francisco Niners uh, and that offense to go up against the Ravens is a t- in the playoffs is tough. Um, I don't care who's who's playing. McCaffrey this year has been absolutely amazing. But if you look at it, it's crazy to think that this isn't even his best fantasy year. Um, a few years ago when he was on the Panthers, 
It was, uh, you go back and look at those stats because it is insane. But Brock Purdy, they, I will say, Shane's very lucky that this game is in San Francisco. If this was on the road, this was this would be one where I would be I'd be a little bit worried to play Brock Purdy. But he has so many weapons, and you're right. Everybody just seems wide open all the time. It was like watching – it's basically when I'm watching this offense cook, it is like watching Cooper Cup a couple of years ago and being like, how is Cooper Cup wide open every single time they throw the ball to him? Um, so it's incredible to watch that offense perform. Derrick Henry against Seattle. Um, like I said, I don't really remember what happened last week in the Philly game. I don't remember if that rush defense did much, but I would assume Derrick Henry would have a much better game than he did last week with only having, I believe he had, let's look at it really quick. He had nine yards, nine yards. <laughs> um, 16 carries, nine yards. So I'm going to assume that he has a better week uh, this week against Seattle, especially at home. I will say, I believe Will Levis is hurt. Yes, so he is. Perhaps they stack the box a little bit more, but I still think Derrick Henry. And you never know, this team is basically out of it. Maybe Taiji Spears. Maybe they try to give the rookie a lot more play um, over Henry, so we'll see. But CD against Miami on the road, you would think that (coughs) CD would have a much better game. Dallas would have a much better game. You never know. Um, And then Raheem. Raheem has been, once again, like, get inside the three. They run the ball to Raheem three times. Um, and yeah, that was insane watching that yesterday. And just watching that last over week, yeah. and over. Yeah. He only had 15 carries for 42 yards, but that that game, they just, yeah, they get inside the five. He, he runs he runs it in almost every single time. Um, and he's gotten so many touchdowns this year. I believe it's now up to like 18. Um, but, yeah, Shane's got a great team, um, and he's projected for 141 points this week already. Great start up at Puka. But I will say – the reinforcements have come for Trey's team. Yeah, it really it just comes down to um, if, if what I perceived for any chance of this be a close matchup, it's going to come down to health. And it's going to come down to the three guys that I had the fortune of not playing against uh, last week. It's going to come down to Tyreek Hill. It's going to come down to Isaiah Pacheco. And it's going to come down to Josh Jacobs now. Right now, they're all still questionable. I believe Josh Jacobs is the only one that hasn't practiced. Um, checking real quick on uh, Pacheco. He was a full participant, and I believe Tyree Hill is limited. So positive news out of two of, I would say, one of the two of the more um, important important players for his team, Isaiah Pacheco and obviously Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill against Dallas, you may have some, like, question marks. You're like, well, this Dallas team, I mean – they're they're the best best defense in the league, and the Bland guy gets eight touchdowns. Whatever, I I feel like Tyreek Hill's Tyreek Hill is healthy in this matchup. It's it's going to be a bloodbath. I, this I don't care who you're matching up against. Coming off uh, a game where he's banged up, this team is still has Buffalo nipping at their heels. That division is unlocked up. Tyreek Hill healthy. The, wh- like what a. What a perfect uh, crescendo of a Christian McCaffrey Tyreek Hill matchup. Uh, w- pretty much winner takes you to the finals. And Tyreek Hill, I'm I'm loading him up. Questions about Josh Jacobs against Kansas City? I I just don't know what you do. I think if you get a late report saying that he's going to play, um, I think you keep him on the bench because I've liked what I've seen out of Rashad White. He's currently the number four running back of all fantasy football, which is insane because he was there one is a spot for Josh Jacobs, though. 
But I'll with let you Kobe go. Myers. Yeah, I'll let you finish with your Rashad White take. Uh, it's crazy talking about Rashad White because Rashad White was kind of in that no man's land for running backs come draft season. Uh, he was he was kind of buoyed in between um, good widers, like very good wide receivers that may have not been on like like offensively like empowered offenses i'm trying to think like it's like he was right now so so uh rashad white was drafted in the sixth round and you're looking in that in that specific round you're looking at deandre hopkins being drafted before him brandon cooks being drafted before him chris godwin drafted before him um you know uh james connor so yeah that uh that that round had a um a couple good plays like DJ Moore was in there after Rashad White, Brees Hall. I mean, Brees Hall's had a couple good weeks, but some weeks have been just massive disappointments. So yeah, you're a uh, great, great pick by Trey in that sixth round. And it, and it just goes to show sometimes, sometimes you find value and you, and you see, um, you see value in certain players that you've been following. Rashad White hasn't been on my radar, but I've been aware of him in terms of, the the saga in which he's came into the league kind of getting pushed behind the depth chart when Brady was there uh in years past Leonard Fournette kind of taking the 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 bulk of carries as well he's always been there he's shown flashes but he hasn't really been able to like get consistent time and I feel like that plagues a lot of running backs you don't you don't see it much uh you don't see it much these days where like there's a single bell cow running back that's able to like keep a consistent role in the offense because there's always a cheaper younger running back in the wing that's waiting to spell or maybe uh this is like a contract year and they want to kind of limit limit or maybe like run him to the ground Rashad White has just been excellent for this team it's been and it's and it's weird in a sense because you look at just how that offense has going and you look at a Baker Mayfield and you're thinking you know what I don't I don't think Baker's all that good I'm gonna stack the box against them and I'm gonna make them uh I'm gonna make sure that we get Baker the ball Baker's been moving the ball well which helps Rashad White be able to take these higher carry counts and like make do with it so Running back has been a strength for this team, coupled with the explosive, uh, the explosive offense that Tyreek Hill and Mike Evans has given him all year. Couple that with the, I believe, in the number one quarterback with Josh Allen. What really kills Trey's team, though, is that tight is end and that play. Hawkinson in the fourth round. Uh, oh, I guess that too. That does kill him. Um, Number two tight end. So, I mean, if you're taking tight ends, you're taking them. You're, you might as well take the number two tight end. But TJ Hawkinson um, with the injuries of Kirk Cousins. And you know what? Honestly, not even it's not even all about Kirk Cousins here. TJ Hawkinson has just shown absolute flashes. We look at set week seven against San Francisco, a top end defensive unit. Him cashing in for 14 points, 11 catches for 86 yards. And we look at week 10 against New Orleans, 11 catches, 134 yards. But he is so prone to just these dud weeks where he's efficient moving the ball for the offense, but the touchdowns really kill him. Nine points last week against Cincinnati, seven points uh, the week prior against Vegas. And that flex spot, it seems like Trey uh, this season has bounced around to that flex spot. 
matchup against me last week. He plugged in uh, Tyler Lockett because of the injury to Tyreek Hill. Uh, Jacoby Myers is usually a mainstay in that offense. Christian Watson has been someone that he's been flirting with off and on, but he's been banged up as of late. Um, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is pretty much relegated back to the bench unless we hear news on Isaiah Pacheco. But that tight end and that flex spot, that's my biggest question mark for Trey. And it sounds like you have some, maybe some solutions here, Jake, for him. Yeah, I mean, Trey's team, I mean, as far as the tight ends, I, I you got to keep TJ in there. I'm, I'm not one to, to move it around um, and do anything with that. But the, the flex spot right there, yeah, I personally, I mean, of course, if Josh Jacobs is healthy, I think you got to play him. I think you have to, you're looking at it. Josh Jacobs, who did a few weeks ago um, run against KC. He had a huge run. I believe it was like an 80 or 70-yard run for a touchdown, which is the majority of his yards. You know, having still having 22 and a half points. The Raiders are still technically in it, um, although, you know, I think they're six and eight, and so I don't expect them to. I don't think they control their own destiny. It's right. Sure, but they, they're not officially eliminated. And, and with a, and with an interim head coach, they're not going to, like, just, you know, just go to the wayside. Um, they're still going to try to play hard. I will also say, like, they played the Chiefs really tough in that first that first half. They played them a couple weeks ago, and, you know, you never know with divisional games. It's not like the Chiefs have done anything special as of late. So I still think they're going to, to try and win that game. And so if Josh Jacobs is healthy, um, you know, I, I personally would start him. And I, I think Trey would, too. I don't think this is um, something that, that Trey's just, you know, sticking with Jacoby Myers no matter what going forward. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, then it, it, it then it you kind of have to ask the question: If Christian Watson is healthy, do you start him over Jacoby Myers? Um, we're talking about two guys right now that didn't practice on Thursday, both in uh, Josh Jacobs and Christian Watson. So right now they don't look that they're playing. So I think you kind of have to go with um, with Jacoby. Now, if Pacheco doesn't play, of course, at least he has Clyde, so you can plug him in there. But it sounds like Pacheco's good to go. It sounds like Tyreek is good to go. Um, even though I think Tyreek was a full participant yesterday, he was a limited participant today. Um, but I think they're trying to just take it easy with him going into Sunday's matchup because, like, you're right, Buffalo is still, you know, very much alive in that um, in that division for the division lead. And they play Miami the last week of the season. Buffalo has a very easy schedule. They have the Chargers and then the Patriots the next two weeks, and then they finish it in Miami. And so if, you know, both teams or the Bills are behind Miami um, going by one game going into that last week of the matchup, then you're looking at a a winner-take-all for the division lead. So I I do think Tyreek's going to play because I think this is a very important game for Miami to win um, going forward. But, yeah, the rest of his squad, I'm looking at the Steelers' defense. We've seen Jake Browning be able to throw the ball, and Pittsburgh has not been um, basically anything these last three weeks. You're looking at three straight losses against the Cardinals, the Patriots, and now the Colts. That defense is not has not been the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense. Um and I personally would start the Buccaneers defense. You're, you're going up against the Trevor Lawrence team that really hasn't impressed as of late. I personally, and I think Trevor Lawrence has kind of been banged up. I want to say it was a concussion last week. He won a concussion protocol. Um, and so, you know, the Bucks defense, especially at home, seems to fly around a little bit more. And they have at least put, they've put up at least, um, you know, you're looking at five, seven, seven, and seven points. Nothing sexy, 
but this has been much better than the Steelers as of late. <laughs> All right, we're going over matchups here. I I have to lean QB sneaks here. I mean, I've been I hitched my wagon to that horse um, ever since. It seems like it's not like he has like turned it around at any point. I mean, I think that trade with the trade acquiring, uh, I mean, Derek Henry for me. That going off the Pukunakua edition, obviously paying dividends now. I think this 20, 20 and a half point uh, lead definitely is the kickstart. And it's definitely like that baseline for him to hit these high numbers that we've seen his team hit. And I expect that to continue. And I expect that in the victory over Notorious. Yeah, for me, it, honestly, for, for Trey's team, of course, Tyreek being healthy is huge. And if he is, you know, having 20 points by him, I think is, is doable. And I think that is a huge um, addition, of course. But it's really going to come down to the Josh Allen game, whether or not how they attack the Chargers. If it's going to be like last week and they just decide to go on the keep it on the ground, then, yeah, it's hard for me to think that Trey has any shot against a shame. If they decide to throw it through the air, which they should, because that's where the Chargers are susceptible the most, is through the air. I could see a big Diggs game, a big uh, Gabe Davis game. Um, then I think Trey has a, has a pretty good – I think he does have a good shot. Because I think the rest of his team is going to put up points. I am a little bit worried about Jacoby, but – We've been worried about Jacoby, it feels like, yeah. the entire season, and then he has good games. I think this is going to be very close, a lot closer than what the projection says right now, 141 to 117. And I do love how it comes down to Monday uh, Monday night as well. Yeah. Um, it's Right now it looks like a Trey is going to have, um, throughout Monday, um, is going to have Isaiah Pacheco and Jacoby Myers Monday morning, um, Christmas morning. And then uh, Christmas night with Shane having Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey, and then also Monday afternoon, Darren Waller. But um, I'm going to say that Shane pulls it out as well. I do think it's going to be close, but I think by I'm, I'm going to say like the you know late first, uh, mid second, I think he he pulls ahead over Trey. Um, you know, gets about a 15 point win. I don't think it's going to be anything crazy, but I can see both teams scoring over 120. Um, maybe even over 125, but I think with the start Shane has had with Puka at 28.5, I can see um, Shane putting up 145, 150 with Trey getting about a 130, 135 score. 